fair warning to any of you who are listening to this show right now, just because I perused some of the questions, there will be Game of Thrones spoilers on this one, since apparently I was scolded by Michael because you have to do that even though a TV show is live, and criminals are the only people that don't watch if they want to watch it. Listen, so, Johnny Moneybags, not everyone has HBO. But then I can't spoil it for you. Yes, you can. I'm so done with your attitude, okay? You You're were trying just... to say that everyone who watches Game of Thrones watches it through legally smiled-upon means? No, but like you generally watch it when everybody else watches it. He was trying to say that everyone who lo- uses the library is a criminal, as Correct. far as I could yeah. tell. Yeah, Anybody who goes the to the library is a criminal. If you've that's ever a, been in a library, you're a criminal. That's a healthy thing to put out into the world. Okay, that's what that People comes If you have a library themselves. card, the FBI should come looking for you. That's Which will be easy, because you have a library card. Exactly, they can find <laughs> you. That's why you don't do any of that shit, okay? You just you get your books the way that we all do. You read them on the internet. Download them into your Kindle. Anyway, hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm your host. I'm joined by Beth Macklin and Merkel Murphy. Merkel. Mips. Merkel Mips. Merkel Mips. And Garmsnatch, the troll, who uh, he will uh, give you those three wishes, but your sister Lizzie won't be around much longer. She'll just be a husk, kind of like the. She'll be a husk uh, of of her old self. She's kind of like the White Walkers that you saw there in that Game of Thrones episode. Um, There are some Game of Thrones questions, so seriously, if you have not seen the episode and you're not a criminal in the library, uh, we will be spoiling (laughs) this for you. Beth, I don't know if I asked. Crime section of the library. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I'm happy to make things up. Okay, perfectly fine. See, we're not spoiling it for you. No, talked about a lake troll last episode. So, Um, okay. Here we go. Panerwin2020. Hey, guys. With Shostyorkin coming over, if he does end up getting acclimated quickly and Georgiev is to be traded, what team do you think he gets traded to and what might the potential return look like? Um, This is a weird question because I I don't think, even if Georgiev does, you know, maybe prove that he's the third man down the ladder, um, it's hard to trade him right now. You, you're going to be trading low. You don't know what you have long-term in just Yorkin yet. Um, the Henrik Lundqvist situation still needs to be figured out. So I'm not even sure we can even kind of engage in these types of conversations yet because there's just too much unknown. Beth, I'll let you shoot first on this one. George, he's Russian, right? Bulgarian uh, Russian. He's yeah, born yeah, in he's, Bulgaria. He's well, I'm gonna, I was my I actually had another question, which is who's the starting goalie for Russia for Worlds? I think Georgiev is he playing for Russia or is he playing for Bulgaria? He plays for Russia. He does, right? Yeah, so that's what I, I thought. Is he with the Worlds team right now? I saw him on a list somewhere for being was but I'm not sure if it was a reliable a list. Card? You know, there's lots of lists on the internet. A I'm, Russian library card holder? Yes, a Russian library which would, card which list Which would immediately holder. require the uh, FBI A Russian goalie library card list holder. That would be, be a hell of a hell of a list right there. Probably just him and Brzgalov or something. Um, Michael? Well, Beth, actually, did you did you have an answer to the question? <laughs> What was it? Where 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 he would go yeah, and what we of, would get? Well, I guess, and at this point, you're just your overall take on that situation because we, we are talking about three goalies. I think it's very premature to even assume, you know, that you're going to be in a position where you can trade one of them because who knows if Shostyorkin's going to be Shostyorkin right I away. I mean, that's that's kind of my feeling about it. Um, also, I mean, 
Georgiev was so much fun to watch at the end of the year. No res- no disrespect to Hank, all praise Hank, bow to Hank, but you know what I mean. It was just, it was fun to see, so I can't, I, I kind of would like for them to hold on at least to sort of, I don't know, let the dust settle bit a little bit from all the uh, newbies showing up. Um, let his stock go up a little bit, possibly. Um... But yeah, I can't, in terms of a target or what we would get for him, I don't have a good idea about that. Mike? So there are some teams who need goaltending. Um, and because of Gorgiev's age, like he should be a compelling offer, but trading goalies is a really weird market. It always has been a weird market. Like You don't really know what you can get. It really depends on what the other team's willing to give up. And I feel like a lot of teams are starting to grow far more comfortable with the idea of the goalie platoon versus having a workhorse starter. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, the Islanders have all their success this year in net. And, you know, to they by far weren't the only story like that. I mean, there's plenty of teams in the playoffs who had similar stories where it was closer to a 50-50 split than, you know, we, we've grown accustomed to with Henrik Lundqvist starting a bajillion games every season. Although that wasn't the case this year. But uh, a lot of it is going to depend really on free agency, especially because there's a goalie like Bobrovsky out there and where he lands. And I think that is going to... There are... Like Florida desperately wants to change their goaltending situation, but we also know they're the front runners for Bob. And so if things go according to plan, they get Bob, then there'll be a team that would be far less likely to pursue someone like your give, but there will be someone out there. It's just a question of, you know, like who, who can you end up selling them to? I feel like even Edmonton would be, you know, considering looking at options if, cause I, I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they signed Koskinen, but that's a whole other can of worms. The, the short answer, I guess, is it really depends on free agency and it depends on, when the Rangers are ready to make that call that Georgiev is someone they can move, that who in the league is interested in in buying a goalie in a trade. Hmm. Yeah, those hypotheticals are tougher when there's just too many things that have to happen before yeah, we kind of get into Yeah, we're that. too early in the chain of the dominoes. You know what I mean? Like, we need to see a couple other things happen to get an idea. But, like, the short answer is you can get a pretty reasonable return for a goalie like like a Georgiev, but the thing is, I think Rangers fans have a much higher opinion of him than the rest, than GMs around the league might. I feel like the Toronto Maple Leafs know how good he is. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's um, what I was thinking. Yeah, some some other teams, I think, might just look at his numbers and say, oh, he had a pretty solid numbers on a really bad team. But what does that mean for us? You know what I mean? So we'll see. Next question. J. Mike, with the money players demand post-entry-level contract now, I think it's best to not overcommit with a Panarin-type contract. I'd hate to see Gordon paint himself into a corner three or four years down the road to speed up the process now. Um, I guess the question is more... Oh, hang on. Is that the second part of the question? Yeah, it might be. Sorry. The more I look at it, Hayes seems to be a... free agent the New York Rangers should focus on to be relevant this year and in the future. Uh, Panarin is great, but $11 million for seven years for any winger is steep. Six and a half for five probably gets Hayes done and fills the 2C spot until someone emerges. So I would tell you that I would be much more against a Kevin Hayes contract for five years than a Panarin contract for seven years. 
Um, oh, me too. There's when you can get superstar talent, and Panarin is ultimately that. You do it regardless. If you're signing Hayes to kind of be a stopgap moving forward, that's what paints you into a corner. You'll I mean, overpay. That, for that's him. what becomes an issue. Like, if if you want to buy Kevin Hayes in free agency, you're going to overpay for him. Like we know, Rangers fans should have a very good idea of what Kevin Hayes is. He's a he's a fine two way center that I feel like you can really be comfortable with on your second line but I he don't, is not panarin yeah you don't you don't i you take panarin every day you take it's it's not like i take 11 million a year for panarin over like Hayes for five years at six and i know that for to some people that makes them uncomfortable because of the level of investment and the cap hit but they're 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 in different galaxies in terms of what their their impact on the team is i like i i I don't know what like their wins above a replacement would be, but I'm pretty sure one would be night and day over the other. Just one of those players is a truly elite winger, and the other one is a you know a second line center in the NHL. And like Hayes was fine with Winnipeg in the playoffs, but you know he just like watching him play, he played a little bit of wing, and he also played on the third line. And you know, like I knew what Kevin Hayes was and what he would look like over there. And I feel like you know what the Rangers did pretty well in the Kevin Hayes trade, all things considered. Beth? I would just not be that excited to have Kevin Hayes back. I, yeah. I, it's, you know, it was fun while it lasted, but it's gone. Um, and I really haven't lost sleep over it. Um, whereas watching um, Panarin in the playoffs has been so much fun. Um, that just feels like more of a forward-looking move to me. Um, and I mean, yeah, that's that's money well spent as far as I'm concerned. You guys know money is not my forte, but everything I've seen so far, give it all to him. Give him it all. Okay. All the rubles. The rubles. The rubies. Um, all right, Chris O'Connor. Who do you think sits on the Iron Throne, Michael? Ooh. Uh, my prediction would be Jon Snow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my guess too. I also think I have a theory moving forward. Um, or I, I, Sir Davo Seaworth, who's my favorite character. I that. think Cersei's He's my dark horse. I think Cersei's going to die next week. I really do. And then I think the rest of the the season and the series is going to be about John and Danny fighting for the throne. However, a part of me sweet tender love. Well, if they're making sweet tender love, then they're you know they're on the throne together. Just Maybe that's what they're going to do. They're going to make sweet banging on the, on the throne. I think it is. I think it is going to be John because he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. And here's the thing. And I tried to make this point last night. Like some of you are so so cultured to taking losses on Game of Thrones, and it really is brilliant. Like when Ned Stark died in the book, and Mike and I were reminiscing about this before that we both read the books. Like there is no. Uh, you're so unprepared for a moment like that because it it's almost it felt like Harry Potter dying in Harry Potter. And it makes anything possible. And you move forward with that notion. And I legitimately believe as the Night King bore down on Bran that, oh, they're going to win. The Night King is going to win. And then, you know, whoever survived is going to escape to Cersei and they're going to beg for forgiveness. And then that's going to be the war. And it, it wasn't. But that theory only exists because of what they did with killing Ned Stark and that, the mentality that you put there. So hats off to George R.R. R. Martin for that one. Uh, Fox Tog. With the number two overall pick, assuming those two, 
those alive are draft eligible. Uh, oh, okay, wait a minute. With the number two overall pick, assuming those still alive are draft eligible, which Game of Thrones character should the New York Rangers draft on June 21st? Keep in mind, the New Jersey Devils will still be picking one. So, Mike, we have to assume that John and Danny are one and two in some order. Yeah, if we're talking about the odds of ending up on the Iron Throne. Yeah, if we're talking about like who you would make a bet on. Yeah, they're one and two, so... Do the devils go John? The rightful heir to the throne? Or do they go Danny? John feels more like a center to me. I like I like Danny as a high scoring winger. On the dragon, just just tearing yeah. shit up. Yeah, I would say Jon Snow is number one, Danny's number two. Sir yeah. Davos is working his way up a little bit to maybe be a bit. Davos is a character pick. Um, hockey stat miner gave me a math question. I do not negotiate with terrorists, so I will not be answering this question. <laughs> Um, Obi beat the Canes. Do you think Neil Pion could massively improve if Lindy Ruff was fired? No. 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 <laughs> Next Absolutely. question. Yeah, Mike, do you want to do you want to throw your hat in the ring on that one? I'm gonna veer away from the pack here and say no. I don't think he would. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, as usual, you're not listening. There's to the only podcast. so much like. Uh, like we we don't want to write off a, a defenseman as young as Pion can just say like he's not going to get better. But I don't know if we should say we don't want to, but because I think we dramatically have. better. I just don't. I just don't see it. Like he's. I don't think he's ever been anything but what he is, which is like a an undersized guy who can play the right side who who happens to be really good once he's in the offensive zone. The problem is he can't really get there on his own, and he's a liability in his own zone. And. Like some of that is just like how you process the game and how you like read like read your coverage and know where to be in positioning and like Pianca is not exceptional at those things. He's far better than I'll ever be at them. Keep in mind, but he's not terribly good at it. So are we imagining that like Lindy Ruff is just giving Pionk bad coach, which you know is distinctly possible. But that yeah, David is, Quinn is just letting that happen because yeah, is Lindy of some kind of behind the bench. That's just yeah. I think it's penis territory thing. I think it's fair to say that Lindy Ruff has had a very negative impact on the the organization's defense, and part of that is potentially the way that these guys are utilized. And that would be Neil Pionk being forced down everybody's throat as a top line, you know, defensive player. Um, the people that they play with, yes. Are there things that could be done to make Neil Pionk more sustainable? Absolutely. You put him on the third pair, and you know, you, you're playing with somebody a little bit more sound than Mark Stahl, and you could absolutely be talking about a, an improved Neil Pionk. But even that, it's not that Pionk is improved. It's that you're just you're making a piece of shit look. Uh, maybe that's too harsh. Um, you're making like a really. That painting should not be the centerpiece of that room, and you just kind of put it like in the bathroom someplace, and then it's like, oh, okay, kind of works there. Like it's the same argument that we made about Dan Girardi. You could have made Dan Girardi look like a competent defenseman if you just put him on the third pair. So would those things get better? Yes. Does Neil Pionk become a better player without Lindy Ruff? No, that's not. It's not possible. Um, gray Market Westworld is better than Game of Thrones, and it isn't even close. Discuss. I love me some Westworld. I got to be honest with you. Uh, oh, Beth, I'm sorry. Did you raise your hand before? No, I was just point? about Pionk. I was yeah, just wondering sorry. what he'd be like in a more solid structure instead of ricocheting around in sheer chaos. Which is no the million-dollar question. Because the but Rangers again, he wouldn't be more than board. a third-pair guy. But 
it's i mean he does sort of seem like he's let loose in a very inconsistent system right now but then again half the reason the system's inconsistent is is also because of the coaching so yeah it's I don't think I don't think Lindy Ruff being gone would do that much for him. His yeah, who was it? Mike was it you saying his choices are bizarre. His hockey sense is just yeah. very strange. It's like he can only see a certain amount of the ice at like one time and yeah. only think about a certain amount of the ice I, at one time. I often I often think of him as like uh, someone who has a like someone who has to do like some home repair like and they say, "You know what I need for this job? A hammer." But he opens up his toolbox and all he has is a screwdriver, so he just uses the blunt end of it to smash in a nail. Like he needs to develop more skills and a lot of that stuff I think like he can study the game and learn more. I just I I, I, w- I would think by now we would have seen a little more progress you know in that front like just to see him just be more capable have a better understanding of how to react to different situations like on a two-on-one rush against and it's neil pionk i'm like crapping the bed like it just it's not going to end well he just doesn't cover it well he doesn't like when he's too far he'll also find himself really far away from the net sometimes i've noticed and just kind of lingering out of position or straying away from where he should be and like, I don't think it helped that he was paired with Stahl for as long as he was, but I really don't think that suddenly... Like, I'm sure he would look better uh, if he was just a third-pair specialist defenseman. Yeah, that's, that's the point I'm trying to but make. But I don't think he would be better. I just think, he, like, the, the warts would show less often. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, do either of you watch Westworld for this next question? I watched the, the first season. I like Waterworld, Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dennis I got nothing on Westworld. Nothing you know about Dryland, Joe. You know about uh, Dryland. I guess this is just for me then. Hoof. Uh, Westworld is unbelievably good. Um, I have to be completely honest with you, though. That episode of Game of Thrones last night might have been the best television I've seen ever, and it 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 just comes from this build up. And Mike, I think you can kind of back me up on this as somebody who did read the books before they kind of ventured into the show, where. Yeah. There's just so many questions that are left unanswered with the books, and it, it appears that George R. R. Martin is not going to finish them. Um, that you just to see them like, answered in the show is yes. To see them answered in the show is is very satisfying, but also just like, again, it was like the people who are complaining about it. You're just so used to taking losses on Game of Thrones that enjoy the victory, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Philip Ghostine, I love your podcast, the number one Rangers podcast. Sorry, Ryan and Greg, we're not sorry. Because <laughs> we're the best. Um, just wanted to say that, and thanks for everything. My question: Would you rather have Dallas's first this year or next year if you could choose? A hundred thousand percent next year. Next year, right? Million. That's a great question. A million. But I, it is I a good question. Next year. Million. Two thousand twenty is even if like let let me it's like even, a smorgasbord. Let me even level the playing field a little bit further. If the Rangers could only have one draft pick, uh, forget the draft picks that they have in the first round this year already. Um, you want it to be a 2020. That's the... Yeah, they've got five picks in the first two rounds uh, in this the, year. In the draft. And, you know, what? as many picks as they can get for next year, given what that class is shaping up to be, that's that's the draft I wish we just had. Just sex everywhere. I just wish we had five there. And right now it's, it's, <laughs> it's two. It's two and, you know, maybe... 
maybe that that if Zook resigns there, that's that's what would be beautiful. Ideally, both things happen, but yeah, we'll see. Hundred percent. Don't let Maggie hear that. She'll get angry. Um, GC Lester <laughs> with Columbus still in the playoffs. Do you guys think there was any chance Panarin would resign if they made it to the finals or even won the cup? No, he wants out. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I actually think it would almost be worse because if he wins the Stanley Cup, there's nothing left for him in Columbus. Now, that's a different argument from I the team I think he makes sake, another 150k a year or something the, like that. Uh, the organization would be fine with their decision making then because again they would have won Yeah, the they would have gambled cup, right. They would have gambled right know. by keeping him and Bob. But so, I feel like uh, given what we've heard, given the fact that he changed agents, given because uh, I, I did a lot of research when I wrote about where he wants to be between you know Florida or New York and specifically the Miami City area uh, and or New York City like where would he rather be and it's very clear that he just wants to be in a desirable coast city and that's Los Angeles, Miami or New York. The problem is like Los Angeles is a shit show right now uh, Florida has the cap space, the Rangers have the cap space and both can offer him something attractive. Florida is no state tax, New York is New York and that's really hard to compete with even with no state tax, uh, which is, you know, why we've seen players, free agents choose New York a lot. Um, even, you know, especially I think if you just consider the Glenn Sather era. But uh, yeah, there's, I, I, there's definitely a choice there for Panarin to make. I just don't see him re-signing in Columbus, especially because I feel like in many ways he probably burned bridges by now. Yeah, I would assume there's definitely tension with the front office over the fact that he handled things the way that he did. Uh, Beth, did you answer this question? I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's pretty much... I pretty much agree with Mike on that, mostly because I get most of my information on that from what Mike wrote about that, so that probably explains it. Um, Beth reads my stuff. I do! I do read your stuff. Don't read Joe's stuff, though. It's uh... Joe doesn't really write stuff these days. Um, Anthony McHale, how did... What? Don't put yourself down like that, baby. Uh, how did so? Here, I'm gonna do. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do something that I always do. I'm gonna say, how did Araya get through an entire army unnoticed? Are we so sure that Ned is the father? Kind of looked like Catelyn had an affair with MJ. Um, all right, the first question I think is the serious question, which is, how did she get through the entire army unnoticed? Mike, I'm curious what your thought is on this. I'm going to say Jeez. she did. She He's did a ninja the face. assassin. Well, that, see, this is the thing, and actually somebody comments under this, which is she's literally a trained assassin. Do people just ignore the fact, which is true. Yeah. I think she she's did the tiny. face swap thing, though. She because if, if you notice, there is right before she fucking puts that goddamn dagger through his stomach, the general's hair blows back, and he, like, turns his head a little bit to see what's going well, on. I think that's because he notices her jumping. And the, right, the night, and then the she's already, it's too late. It's absolutely too late. No, I just think she she happens to be a she's little a fucking assassin. Ninja assassin. If this was Dungeons and Dragons, she'd have like a four hundred sneak. Yeah, sneak. High sneak count. High sneak count. Dexterity uh, An- Anthony Caholi. Caholi. I hope Caholi. I hope I got that right. Holy Caholi. Uh, holy cannoli. The Rangers are in need of an elite defenseman. If they acquire Dallas's first round pick, if they make it to the Western Conference Final, do you see them packaging Dallas's first and Winnipeg's first to move up into the top ten to land a D-man? 
Um, this is an interesting question. I think this is something that we've talked about a lot. I think if the Rangers, l- let's put things into perspective here just for a minute. Um, the Rangers right now have two picks. They have the second overall pick and they have Winnipeg's pick, which can be anything from 18 to 22. Um, I think there is a 96% chance that will be a sub 20 pick. So call it the 19th overall pick. The Rangers can utilize that draft pick and, you know, if you want to trade two first round picks to get into the top 10, I don't think 19 and 28 does it, to be completely honest with you. Um, would you rather walk away with, you know, Kako and Trevor Zegris or call Caulfield? Or would you rather have three shots at, you know, a first round pick? And the answer is you'd rather have the two the better players. If you can pick twice in the top 10 rather than three times in the top 30, you would rather do that. So I don't think there's enough to get in there. The question really comes down to if you're going to try to get an elite defenseman, you need to do it via trade. Because no matter who the Rangers draft, be it uh, and everybody's saying that um, Byram is the best defenseman in the draft, he's not going to be ready yeah. next year. He's not going to be ready to play next year. The Rangers have defensemen who are, are in the system who are not going to be ready to play next year. So if you're going to do that, you have to trade for a guy like Truba or somebody else. Beth? No, that was my thought. I mean, I, I think they want someone sooner than a baby who is still cooking in the draft. Um, baby cooking? I don't cook babies, although I realize now it sounds like I do. Um, wow, hard to walk myself back from that. Yeah, yeah they need somebody it. sooner. Somebody better, somebody sooner. <laughs> when you're Mike should you're, talk you're cooking now. a baby, that's all. You're cooking I have baby. this Whatever. Game of Thrones talk. I don't know I don't know anything about it. Sure I make up strange a, scenarios a in my head. Do they cook real. babies on that show? Uh, I'm sure babies have been cooked on Game of Thrones, to be completely honest with you. I've seen a baby get cooked before. You ever Whoa. seen the movie the the, uh, the witch, where it's like uh, colonial times and there's a witch, like the witch kidnaps a baby and turns it into like baby salsa, like that happened. Okay. Baby salsa. Should I just go to the next question? I yeah, think it's probably best. Yeah, maybe we should just go to the next question. She turned into like uh, skin ointment, like body lotion, and rubbed, and then she got young from that baby salsa. Rubbed up, rub up that witch skin with baby meat. Uh, David L. Singer, if we could get Hughes <laughs> instead of Kako, does that change the calculus on keeping Kreider or not? Um, so this is another interesting question, because if Kako comes, he's a winger, a scoring winger, you know, it does sort of make him, it does make Kreider a little bit more expendable. But the flip side of that is if the Rangers do get Hughes, you assume Hughes locks in as the 2C. So it's Zibanejad and Hughes at 1 and 2C. That leaves Hedl, Anderson, and um, Howden for that 3C, 4C role. You're going to have another winger anyway. So to me, no, it doesn't change anything about Kreider. But Beth, you tell us your answer to that question. No, that's my thought. I mean, we still, I, I definitely don't see that as being a factor in moving Kreider if Kreider moves. Because, yeah, there's still, there's still, he still works out in the math on that, as far as I can tell. Michael? I mean, uh, I feel the same. With just your because face. It, It's tricky with, because the Rangers have so many young centers, but the other thing to keep in mind is the Devils also have, like, a kind of a glut of young centers, which is not a bad problem to have, because you can relatively easily convert a center to wing. I mean, you'll be a different player, obviously, but... You know, and you're like it's it's very valuable and good to develop those young centers, which is why if the Rangers happen to end up de- getting Hughes second, it's not the end of the world. I know, like it's it's very easy to fall in love with Capo 
and to watch his game. But, you know, Jack Hughes just set a record for points in the U18s. Like, he's a special, special player. Um, I I don't... It's hard to say whether or not that would impact Crowder's future just because I know... You know, the the presence of Crowder means one more winger in the top six. But, of course, you know, he Crowder will need an either either needs to be dealt next season or needs a new contract. Both, like, I think that's true regardless of who the Rangers draft. I just feel like maybe if they end up drafting Kako and he starts off gangbusters, then maybe it makes trading Crowder a more comfortable option for the front office. But really... Like, as much as we'd like to see the Rangers, you know, accelerate and further transition to a competitive team that gets back in the playoffs, uh, you know, if the right thing to do is to trade Chris Kreider, if you're going to get a good return, then that's the right thing to do, and that's what you do. Mike, throwing down some Night King-level opinions. Uh, throwing down some baby salsa. Okay, you brought it back up again. I thought we got past it. David Pendris. Pendries? Yeah, Dave Pendries. So bad with names. Uh, what if somebody just asked? Oh, Dave Pendries. Yeah, we know him. This is a fan. Oh, you do. All right. So it's Pendries. So I got it sort of right. Uh, this is maybe my favorite question of the week. What if somebody just asked Mark Stahl to leave? Like sat him down, brought him a coffee, and just said, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, think it's a general manager manager could do that. But maybe if you know, like Jim Ramsey said, "Hey, Stahlzy, here's the thing." Uh, don't shoot the messenger. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's rough because Mark Stahl has been. Couldn't. But wait a minute. Could not. Could you not sit down with him and say, "We need you to be amicable to being moved because we're going to take offers on you, and if you're not, and we can't find a deal that satisfies both you and ourselves, we're going to put you in Hartford, and we're going to eat the salary on it." Do you think that changes the game at all for him? I don't know if he has a no movement clause. So if he does have a no movement clause, then you just say we're going to sit you in the press box. Like yeah, he you has can a hang no out with the team. Clause, Joe. So you're not. I don't okay, see so them you, sending him to. Hartford. You can't go to. You can't go to. Well, he can't. I guess go anyway then, because um, I'm stupid yeah. and I didn't know that he had a no he movement clause. Full, he has a full no movement. But then you um, sit. Then you sit right in the press box. Period. And, end of story. But it, like we talked about at the and, beginning of last season, that is a tough pill to swallow, even for a team that's embracing the rebuild, and even for an owner that has. But money they bags. have the money. I mean, it's not. Know, but it's. I understand. You're sending a message. You send a goddamn message to the kids that you're going to punch them all in the face one day. His salary is six million, though. You're paying a guy six million to watch games. What number was Stall drafted? This Stall. Our baby Mark Stall. Yeah. When he was just a baby, he was twelfth overall. Well, twelfth. Okay, both his brothers were two overall. Yeah, his brothers were. There's two brothers who actually made it. In terms of like, uh, what was it? Yeah, there is a third, a fourth brother. Oh, there's the spare stall. Yeah. The, sp- the spare stall. Um, it's a tricycle, really. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly have the discussion with him. And I think the Rangers eventually are going to have that discussion with a couple of players. Brennan Smith, though I don't think he has the clauses, um, where it's just like, hey, listen, we're going to make some very difficult decisions. And you can either join us and make this easier for everybody, or we're going to make it very difficult for you. So... Yeah, and honestly, at this stage of Stahl's career, like, it's you could ask him, you know, what is more appealing to you? Is being bought out here and or saying you're going to waive your no move to go to, you know, maybe a small market team that would really celebrate and relish the opportunity to have a player of his experience and pedigree in their organization? Like, 
Because the weird thing we've learned over the years is that some general manager out there will take a chance. Um, even if he, even if he's just saying like, I'll take Mark Stahl, but also give me a young prospect, like give me a, you know, give me something to help take this off of you. I mean, we've seen the Blackhawks do multiple deals like that. Um, and sometimes it really bites them in the ass, like looking at how good Tavo Teravainen has become. Um, but you know, it's, it's not impossible to move anyone is, is like the, the short answer here. I just, I just don't see Stahl wanting to leave i think he loves being a ranger he's been a ranger his entire career watching way, eric Stahl play in the playoffs gives me the howling fan tots it's worth noting that beth actually answered david's question to him and her <laughs> response was and i quote i mean it's worth a try end quote so <laughs> oh there you uh, go that's like all you needed yeah that was all beth did a far push. better job and far more succinct and, and uh to the point like uh Frank am i though can i just ask am i though the only one who's just watching eric Stahl and remembering when he was a ranger for 10 minutes he was did he even a- score a goal that's like me running into I'm all sure the girls that I had crushes on. When he was a, I don't do think me. he did when he was when he was a rental. I'm not sure he did. I'm gonna look this up now. Terrible podcasting, but I think he did for sure. I don't know if he did in the playoffs. But um, wasn't he only oh three goals in twenty games? And all right, Mike. I was looking it up, and then you come, and five come swooping in like a goddamn dragon, but you six stupid points, bastard. Six points in twenty games after becoming a ranger in the and then zero season. points in the playoffs, and then I mean, a goose egg a, and a minus seven in the playoffs. Wow, it is incredible how bad he was for us. He wasn't deployed very well. He was also just but the wrong still, player just to still terrible. Like Absolutely. watching him now compared to watching him then. Yeah, he reinvented himself, and uh, God, it hurts. It hurts so many times. It hurts all the time. Did he, or did he just get away from AV? Uh, next question from Frank Lapinto. Oh, Frank. Hey, love the pod. Thank you, Frank. Uh, I like your last why name, does Frank? What'd you say? I said I like your last name, Frank. I'm trying to yeah, give out too. compliments to our listeners. That's how you build uh, trust in, in the loyal listener group, Joe. Not if it's not if it's fake, Michael. And it's if real. It's already, if, is if real. they're loyal, what's the question? It's, it's already love. Baby salsa. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> Um, why does you there know, appear to be a rush? You don't cook baby salsa. It's raw baby. No, you just mash it up. Salsa. It just it's a it's a mortar and pestle situation. You just mash so it more like baby. a baby guac. You know okay, like are the two of you like proud that. of yourselves for this conversation? Baby guac. Um, why does there appear to be a rush to complete the rebuild this year? Once we have one of Hughes or Kako, not sure one of those two, along with our projected roster with prospects, makes makes us a legit contender against Boston, San Jose, or other. Because it's New York. Well, yeah, it is, but like Panarin was on the table regardless of Hughes or Kako. And if that's what we're talking about, then I don't think that's necessarily speeding up the rebuild. Um, I just think there's so many opportunities for the Rangers to get a little bit more aggressive because of Hughes or Kako that, yeah, if you get Panarin, you bring in Adam Fox, and you can get a Truba, it's a game changer. I mean, it really is an across-the-board game changer. The other thing I think to keep in mind is last offseason, just in terms of UFAs, the Rangers signed Clayson. Cody McLeod and Dustin Tokarski, I think. Like that's what oh that God, was their. Oh my God, Tokarski! I forgot about those. That. Those were the UFA about his existence so too. That poor anything man. they do after, like if all they do is Panarin, they're still accelerating the rebuild. That, but I feel like the the phrasing of this question was important. Like, why does it feel like there's this rush to complete the rebuild? Right? Like, why does it feel like there's this urgency? And I feel like it's it's directly tied to fans say. You know, hell, we're going to have Panarin and Kako and 
it sounds like Adam Fox is dying to be here, and it sounds like Truba's like one foot out the door in Winnipeg. I mean, just have all these pieces line up and fall our way, and we'll be fine. But I think it's a slightly more complicated than that. I mean, I feel like this time last year we were talking about how Kovalchuk was a slam dunk to be a Ranger. That didn't happen. Um, you know, yeah, he had a contract and everything. Yeah, he had a contract and the whole kit and caboodle, and that's not what happened. And, you know, I feel like it's really important, I feel like, and I get it, like, everyone wants to do their projected roster and, and to to get, a like, a feel of what the team could be because it's hard. You're, you're watching other teams, you know, in the playoffs. You're wondering how the hell the Islanders are the way, are where they are. And Exactly. But, uh, you know, just be patient, and I feel like we get, it's it's maybe an obnoxious thing to say but we get more answers the closer we get to july 1 because we're going by then the draft will be over we'll have a much better idea of you know what the prospect pool looks like and then we'll have a much better idea of you know the rfa contracts as those are normally settled before uh you know we get out of august it's you know or i should say we get out of july and uh yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be a process. I don't think the rebuild's going to be over, no matter how many wonderful things happen. But like Joe said, we could take some big strides this offseason. It just depends on things kind of falling the right way. I mean, do but, rebuilds, how do you know a rebuild is over? Is it just like, ta-da? Or like what officially? Because again, I see them contending next season. But yeah, I can definitely say that just, you know, see that just time-wise, age-wise, some of the players, players still coming up, Miller, uh, it won't be done. But I guess I'm wondering, is it like, you know, finishing a cake or? I feel like it's, it's when you get, when you feel like you're a relatively complete team and you get to the playoffs. I feel like that's the thing is you get back to a playoff team and... Because I feel like it might be asking too much to become a cup contender, but I think the trick with rebuild is you don't really know when it's over until you realize, like, it's like the uh, the definition of pornography. Like, you know it when you see it. You know the rebuild's <laughs> over when it's all done. Do you think they'll write us another letter? I think that, yeah. I expect more love letters. I want letters. Yeah. Who wrote us a love letter? The Rangers, when they started the rebuild, they wrote us oh, a letter. Yeah, yeah I, kisses, was, I don't even know if it was like a love letter. It was more like, hey, I'm going to go do some shit and, uh, you know, we'll see you on the other side of this shit. I think it was sealed with a kiss, Joe. Mm, yeah, but I mean, okay. I uh, didn't feel kissed. Donovan Carr, what was a bigger <laughs> surprise? That baller knife drop by Araya? Or Tampa Bay getting swept in the first round. Yeah, so I I was going to say that before. Um, In my head, when I was reading the books, she was Araya. So I always called her Araya, and then I learned that I'm a moron, and she's Aria once the show came out. the Harry Potter books, I said Hermione. Uh, I said uh, Hermoine, I believe. So, yeah, so she's always Araya to me instead of Aria. Um, I'm going to say the knife drop. I was absolutely, like I said, I was fully in... Okay, the Night King's gonna win, and we're just gonna have to eat shit, and that's all it's gonna be. So, knife drop for me. Knife drop. I didn't see the knife drop, so I guess it has to be Tampa. Knife motherfucking drop. Um, Andrew Mcnitt. Fast forwarding a bit here, what do you think the game plan would be heading into the expansion draft? Um, certainly the trades that may or may not make in FAs over the summer are part of that plan. So we got another question about the fantasy draft. Um, 
The expansion draft. I'm going to avoid those, or not the fantasy draft, the expansion drafts. I'm going to avoid those questions because we don't know the rules yet. I think it's going to be similar to what happened in Vegas, but there are going to be some differences. So, like, yes, the Rangers are going. We'll do a show over the offseason, I think, dedicated to Yeah, once we figure that out, because there are decisions that are going to be made with that in mind. And it's also it, tough because the Rangers have two guys signed. Like they have Shea and Zabanajad signed, and then they have a bunch of guys. Yeah, who pretty much nobody are going to be exempt and and or are going to be free agents and need new contracts or might not be here. Like Smith and a lot of the contracts expire the year of that draft. So you know, it's what is it? Smith and Stahl and Shaddy, like all those contracts expire. Um, before the expansion draft rolls around. Unless I'm grossly mistaken, but very possible. We'll yeah, I think you're right. I think there's nothing outside of 2020. Um, do we answer Shana's question, despite the fact that she forgot to use the hashtag that she created? I think we do, but we look at her, we scold her. We She's scold. Shana. Uh, which New York Ranger are you most looking forward to watching in the World Championship? Are you worried Nylander might break Hank again? <laughs> Uh, I'm always worried Dean Lander will break Hank. Caco, Capo. Capo, Caco. God, Crap now cake. I honestly Crap can't be sure. Uh, you can't be Brady I say Brady Shea and Capo. Because Brady Shea? Capo's not yet a Ranger. I want to see Brady Shea not on the Ranger's blue line. Because that's actually, uh, you know what? That's actually now a good I'm answer. looking forward to that too. Because we signed Brady Shea for a very long time, and I'm uncomfortable with it. It's five point two five million until twenty three twenty four season. Your nakedness. I'll make baby guac out of you. If you uh, can we stop talking about baby guac? <laughs> you didn't like baby. You realize that's changed? more disturbing for Joe than it is for us, probably. Yeah, yeah. way yeah. more. He's got like actual baby. babies lying yeah. around. He's got an actual baby. Yeah. I'm not I saying. Love the insinuation that they're just they're just laying there like Kaylin's just laying on they're the ground right now. It's like, around. Huh, I could make baby guac out of her. I could leave her here. I'll have to make that decision later if I get hungry. Listen, that's a decision you made to think about. I just that have way. I just have babies strewn around the house. That's all. I'm just, just thinking about this around. this random pilgrim's baby from this movie. Okay, well, that's a pilgrim. Uh, final question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is again, this is really a me question, I think. Uh, Andrew Wadhams, well, big fan of you both. This question is only for Joe. Thank you, Andrew. Goddamn I don't understand the Goddamn importance Andrew. of not asking my questions. <laughs> is Arf from Puppy Dog Pals the greatest invention ever? His ability to talk God and understand humans, animals, and robots puts him at number one for me. Oh, God. So, do you know what Arf is, Michael or Beth? No. no. I know who Alf is. Alien life form. Well, okay, see, so you're already wrong. Arf is a robotic dog that is the brother of the puppy dog pals, the two pugs that run around and they do missions. Wait, are they also robots? No, they're real dogs. Then how in God's name are they brothers? Adopted? I'm sorry, is the insinuation that dogs can't be brothers? Is this a cartoon? It is. A, it's a child's cartoon. A child's cartoon. Yes, yeah, so also I watch it. Children's cartoon, which is how human beings say it, not child's um, cartoon. <laughs> so the reality of the situation is Arf. Yeah, Arf is an adopted brother. You son of a bitch! What robots oh. don't have feelings? Is no, that? I'm not judging adoption. I no, wanted well, clarification. You, it's not even adoption. It's creation. They're creating Arf. He's a robot. I'm sorry, I didn't know we were dealing with cyborg android. It, yes, dogs. you. I explained it before when I used the word robot. You should know because Franklin is a robot. Robot. Talking about my son that way. Okay, so <laughs> Franklin. Son. Franklin's a robot, and an evil my one. My cat's at that. getting chubby, by the way. I have to robot. get on the streets. So why don't you just just institute the robot. lose weight protocol in his hard drive that's built in? Robot. Robot. 
Okay, he's a fucking robot. That's what that is. Um, anyway, Andrew, to your question, yes, he's one of the greatest inventions ever because Arf can do anything. He literally, like, he turns into a cleaner for the dogs at one point. He can fly. He fucking talks. He's got, like, laser beam eyes. It's, Arf is, he's the champ. If Arf was in the Game of Thrones <laughs> in that final battle, he would have lit that shit on fire so quick. He would have just been lasering the fuck out of those White Walkers. Night King? I don't think so. Here comes Arf from the sky. You can't, you can't rise a, a robot from the dead. Can't be done. Robots don't die. They only power down. Arf or Penryn? Uh, Panera. what happened? Panera. Panera. Panera bread. Arf. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank if you for you joining us. If you are a patron, sure. um, please leave a detailed message address. Please leave a, a fresh bowl of guacamole outside Joe's So that home. you can get stickers. If you're in the $10 tier, the you can get kids a like mug. Sticking out of it. Uh, Mike is collecting all of your addresses, and he is selling them to uh, the dark web. So To Russia. There, there's that as well. Okay, well, I didn't want to give them specifics, but sure, Mike is selling them to Russia. Uh, thank you all for listening. Beth, thank you for stopping by. Michael, you're a son of a bitch, and Franklin is a robot. <laughs> uh, talk to you all later. Bye. Bye-bye. Franklin's a robot. Robot.